This is Smart Poker Study episode 215, an interview with Steve Fredmond. Don't sleep on podcast Q&A episode number 214. I answered questions about pre-flop considerations, making better calls, and what to do when ace-king misses. It's poker studying time, y'all, so thank you very much for tuning in and for sharing with your poker friends. And speaking of sharing, I have to share this one thing with you. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was incredible. If you have not seen it yet, you can't wait any longer. It's It's got to be one of my top three movies of 2018. It's a big and it's beautifully animated and has an awesome story, really good voice acting, and some killer action as well. If any movie this year needs to be seen in theaters, it's the Into the Spider-Verse for sure. So don't wait for Amazon Video or iTunes or DVD Skip that, do what I'm telling you, go to the theaters and watch it. You'll thank me later. Alrighty, let's uh, let's just get to the poker talk. I just held a couple days ago a free 80-minute leak plugging webinar on Monday, and it was well-received by everybody who attended. And I believe there was about 50 people at the peak of it, and I was really happy to see those numbers, and I answered a lot of their questions. And the only people who were invited uh, to attend the webinar were part of my weekly boost mailing list. So if you're not on it, you better get on it. But I do want to give all the listeners a chance to learn from the webinar as well because I really do feel it was action-packed or value-packed and worth your time. The webinar was called Plugging the Leak of Unprofitable Blind Calling. And in the webinar, I showed you exactly how to do that, to plug those terrible blind calling leaks that you might have. By doing so, you're going to start saving money and adding poker profits back to your bottom line. But I didn't stop there with the webinar. I also showed you how to exploit other players with this same leak so that you can add even more money to your bottom line. And this webinar was also a promotion for my first potential course, which I'm calling the Smart Poker Leak Plugging Course. If you go to the show notes page for today, you can find the webinar embedded there. It's an unlisted YouTube video that I'm going to take down by about Christmas Day or so. Um, but it's there for now. And uh, on the on, on the show notes page, you can also learn more about the Smart Poker Leak Plugging Course. Or you could just go directly there, smartpokerstudy.com slash course. This course is all about taking action. There are eight modules total. The first module takes you through my five-step leak plugging process. All the things that I do in order to plug each of of my leaks. Um, Modules two through eight. Now, those are going to be plugging seven critical leaks that too many players have nowadays. Four of them are pre-flop. Three are post-flop leaks. But here's the thing. After you learn how to plug each of those leaks, you're now going to have the skills necessary to exploit all of your opponents with those leaks. And I've purposely chosen four of the most uh, prevalent pre-flop leaks and three of the most prevalent post-flop leaks. So many of your opponents are suffering from these leaks. Now you're going to know how to exploit them and add even more money to your bottom line. Now, this course is on pre-sell because I'm not sure what the demand for a leak plugging course is. If 10 people purchase the course by Christmas, I will proceed and create the entire course. Now, if not, I'm going to refund everybody who made the purchase, uh, just, you know, going to refund their purchase. So right now, if you use offer code TRAILBLAZER, all one word, TRAILBLAZER, you'll get my first course and be a part of Smart Poker Study history and save $200 in the process on the $500 course. So you'll end up getting it for just $300 with offer code TRAILBLAZER. And I guarantee it will never be cheaper than this. 
And uh, speaking of guarantees, this course has a 30-day money-back guarantee. So I will give you your money back. It's a promise within that first 30 days of the course going live in January. All you have to do is request request the refund and I'll give it back to you guaranteed. So please visit smartpokerstudy.com slash course to learn more and to purchase the course with offer code TRAILBLAZER for $200 off. Alrighty, let's get to today's interview with Steve Fredland. I recently became aware of the Rec Poker podcast through another listener named Brad Olson, who's a great guy, by the way. Uh, Steve Fredland is the creator of RecPokerTraining.com and the Rec Poker Podcast. We have a lot in common, and I really enjoyed our talk today. And uh, in the episode, you're going to hear us discuss his history with poker, a little bit of my history of, uh, as well, uh, talk about his podcast and everything that he does over there at RecPokerTraining.com. And this week, he's posting his own interview of me on his podcast. So when we got together via Zoom meeting, uh, uh, we started with my interview of him, cut the tape, and then he did his interview of me. So both of those episodes are going up this week. For the Rec Poker podcast uh, with me, it's episode 111, where you can find his interview. And of course, you can find the Rec Poker podcast on iTunes and probably every other podcatcher out there. I get mine through iTunes. And so please subscribe to his podcast because it's really good stuff. And if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you're going to see our pretty faces because we did this interview, like I said, via Zoom meetings. So recorded me, recorded him, and bam, it's going to be on YouTube now. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry, no pretty faces for you. Just lovely, mellifluous voices. So please visit the show notes page for everything I discussed today, and there is a ton to see, I guarantee. Uh, just go to www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod215. All the links are there. The webinar embedded is right there for you, as well as a link to the course where you can make a purchase. Use offer code TRAILBLAZER to get $200 off. Well, it's time for Steve Fredland. Gambate! All righty then. Alrighty, well, Steve, welcome to Smart Poker Study. You know, it's good to see you. Hey, thanks, guy, man. It's great to be here after all of these years of listening to you. It's it's fun to actually connect. Nice, yeah. I'm really I'm really happy that you guys uh, reached out to me because, you know, when you reached out to me, that was my first time uh, learning about Rec Poker and the Rec Poker podcast. And I've been diving into your stuff on your website and your podcast and everything. And I really think my audience is going to get a ton of value, not just from meeting you right now, but then learning about your website and everything that you have to offer over there at Rec Poker. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're, we're, we've just started a couple of years ago. We're just starting to build and, uh, you know, starting to raise some awareness of, of who, who we are and what we're doing. And so uh, making that connection is phenomenal. And I think the feeling is mutual. I know, yeah. I know our folks are fired up to hear from you as well. Cool beans. I'm glad to hear that. So just tell me a little bit about Rec Poker. Why did you start it? Or when did you start it? And why did you start it? Yeah, I started it a couple of years ago. And I'm fairly new to the game. I started playing uh, maybe nine, 10 years ago um, as a way to connect with my kids. Basically, uh, me and two of my buddies, we used to go fishing and our kids used to be into that. And then they kind of lost interest in fishing. And so we were talking about how do we connect with our teenage kids? And somebody brought up the idea, hey, has anybody ever played poker? Uh, not really, not really. Uh, we had like 10 teenage kids between the three of us. And so uh, we decided to start playing and see what they thought. And so we did that as just a way to kind of get to know each other and connect with our kids and each other's kids. And frankly, just fell in love with the game. 
Uh, fast forward uh, several years, went through, you know, playing the bar league a little bit, played a little bit in the casino, some home games, and was struggling to find content that I, that really worked for me. I, I'm a learner. You know, once I get into something, I really want to learn it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I couldn't, I just didn't find the right podcast. I must not have been able to find you or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just couldn't find it. I found either what I found was uh, stuff that was just way above my head, or I found, you know, a couple of guys just talking about their Vegas weekend and just kind of. Yeah, that. there's a ton so like, of that out there. Yeah, and, and a lot of people must love that. But for me, that wasn't what I was interested in. I, I only had so many hours in the day. I was a corporate guy. Uh, you know, looking for some content geared at the recreational tournament player who wasn't an online player either. So um, just trying to find that. And I thought, well, if I can't find it, why don't I just start it? Uh, and it was sort of a selfish endeavor because uh, it allowed me to connect with some of the great players locally in Minnesota and then eventually nationally. But it really was that just how do I learn this game? And I learned best by uh, being transparent, being honest, saying here's what I did, uh, and then trying to learn it and then try to teach it. So it really was, uh, there was a void that I, you know, for me in learning. And I said, well, why don't I start it? And so rec poker obviously is about recreational poker players. Yeah, gotcha. Did you start with just the, uh, like the blog and the website in mind and then it morphed into a podcast or did you have a grand design before you started? the? Oh my gosh, there, there was never really a grand design. I (laughs) I had a few conversations with some people about, Hey, what could this be? But, um, you know, I had done a little podcasting with some other stuff before. Um, it really was just a podcast. It wasn't a website at all. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no YouTube involved at all. It was just a strictly audio podcast hosted on SoundCloud um, and just interviewed people, uh, you know, brought my little mic around and went to talk to whoever would listen to me <laughs> or oh, whatever, really? give me some time. Yeah. So live was, interviews at the casinos, huh? A little bit at the casino, but also just at people's homes. Like there's some oh. really good local uh, Minnesota players, some, some people that have won World Series of Poker bracelets. And I just said, hey, if you're willing to sit down for half an hour, I'll bring my, my laptop and my microphone, go to their house. I'll drive an hour or whatever and, and just chat with them poker. Uh, that's all it was. Uh, no big grand visions. Uh, I, you know, I was a corporate guy. This is all just a hobby for me. Um, and that's just how it started. And then it started building some momentum. Uh, last summer, I had an opportunity to go on the Poker News podcast. I was out in Vegas and interviewed Sarah Herring. And uh, she had me on her show. And that was sort of a, a, a catapult for us. Uh, of of people being aware of who we were and then it just kind of grew and then people said well hey what about you know I'd like to get some training um, you know what you're what you're learning what you're sharing is something I'd actually like to do a little bit more formally and so that's where we started introducing some training elements and recpokertraining.com was born just just recently out of that. Oh, nice, man. So podcast first. Yeah, I was kind of opposite. I started blog first. I had okay. listened to podcasts for years, like Adam Carolla, Comedy Bang Bang and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, eventually just decided, hey, you know, I love the podcasts. I don't know if I'll be a good podcaster, but I might as well do it because it seems like a growing medium. You know, people are listening so much more uh, nowadays and it's just growing and growing. Are you a big podcast fan in general? Uh, in general, I, I am. I don't listen to them as much as I used to just because now I'm creating more content yeah. <laughs> than I was. But uh, I used to commute uh, about an hour each way to work. And so, you know, I would fill that typically with podcasts. I'm not really a talk radio guy, uh, even though it's, it sounds like I would be with podcasts. I like to mm-hmm. really say, here's what I want to listen to. I want to be kind of in charge of, of what I'm listening to. So it might be an audio book uh, or uh, more often as I got into poker, it would be uh, poker podcasts. Nice, man. Yeah, I listened to a ton back in the day. Before I created my own, I was probably just like you listening to them. Then when you start creating them, I kind of didn't want to be, I guess, influenced by these other podcasts. I wanted my own style and develop my own thing. So I haven't been listening to poker podcasts on the reg since, I don't know, since 2014, maybe, you know, before I started the podcast here. 
and, I, and I'm kind of the same way just because part of it is you, you want your own style. Um, but part of it is you just, that's just the reason I do the podcast is because there's a void. I'm not finding what I'm looking for necessarily totally. out of, out of a lot of the podcasts. And it's, I suppose it's like, if you're a, if you're a teacher, the last thing you want to do on your day off is go teach. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. You yeah. know, you're talking poker so much like, ah, I don't need to listen to poker. So yeah, there's, there's some other interests that I have that I'll, I'll tune into. Good. Yeah. I used to have a, about a 30 minute commute to work as well, filled it with podcasts, but I also did a lot of audiobooks, not only like poker right. audiobooks, but fiction and stuff. Loved listening to that stuff. And like you said, you get to control what you're listening. You don't have some DJ or some talk show host telling you what he wants to hear, you know, or yeah. what he wants to discuss. A hundred percent, man. I mean, the podcasting world, the audiobook world, all of that stuff, that technology is is fantastic for somebody with my personality. And it sounds like with yours too, where I could just, nah, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Let me switch to this. Just yeah, totally. mm -hmm, we're, we're, spo we're spoiled that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, earlier you were saying we a few times, is there more than just you behind the whole rec poker thing? You know, there, there's a couple other people that are involved. It really, I say we, because that's just sort of how I operate. Uh, people I always say, well, thing. I well, say we, but it's, I'm a one man <laughs> operation. It really. it really is a one man operation. Now I had somebody, uh, Brad Olson, uh, a guy that I got to know a couple months ago. He was a big fan of the show. Uh, he just said, Hey, do you need any help with stuff? I'm, uh, yeah, that'd be great. So he actually stepped in and built the website and has been oh, nice. involved in those things. Just a fantastic guy. Uh, great. So, so I would consider him part of the we, uh, but really it, because rec poker, what I'm really trying to do is build community around that. Uh, the we that I refer to is really the kind of the core group of people that um, are involved very regularly in like player panels, online discussions, all of those sorts of things where we do them as a group. Um, mm -hmm. So the we is really because of it's a community there. But in terms of the actual day-to-day uh, -day operations, it's, it's me running the show. Gotcha. Good, good. Yeah. So you just mentioned those player panels and I watched that one. I think you held it on November 27th. It, it might have been 29th, somewhere, somewhere in there. The 29th, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really good. It was pretty cool how you had yourself and I think it was four other poker. I, I don't know if they're pros, but they're really good tournament players, right? With good right. results. Yeah. They're, cool. they're recreational. They're high level recreational players here mm, in Minnesota. Okay. So they're, they're dual career sort of folks. Gotcha. Yeah. So they're making a, a decent side income uh, right. from the, from the tournament scene. And I liked how you had everybody on and, you know, taking questions from the audience, but then we were getting the perspective of all those different pros. What, what gave you the idea to host seminars like that? Because it's a pretty cool idea. It, it is cool. It is cool. And I think there's some things that we learned from that first one. I think having four great people on all wanting to share, you know, just it maybe it's too much, <laughs> too many people because yeah. they, they could all each just host their own. And I think the first one we intentionally put just as a general ask some Q and A, I think, you know, as we go forward, it'll be more structured. Like let's talk about three betting or, or that sort of thing. But man, it was, it was fantastic. It was well-received. The idea for me, I'm, I'm really a, I guess a strategy guy at my forefront that comes from probably my corporate training. I've been involved in nonprofit leadership, those things. I always start with the end in mind. Like, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? Rather than go. saying, what could I do? I'm saying, what am I trying to accomplish? Okay. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, uh, a make content accessible to the recreational player. And by that, I mean, I mean, recreational player can mean anything. Uh, it can mean people, recreational players pay $10,000 events and they play bar leagues. Uh, I think it's more on the lower end, the less experienced recreational player is my target. Um, so first of all, is how do I make content accessible to uh, the, the less experienced recreational player and how do I build community? And community for me is not just each of us knowing each other, but familiarity with players in the area. 
So, you know, you get four of these folks that people recognize their names in our area. They've won Mid-States Poker Tours. They've won Heartland Poker Tours. They've won those sorts of things. So we know who they are, at least locally, and start to, you know, identify with them, start to feel like, okay, I actually know them as a poker acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of those things. So that's where it starts is how do I, how do I get content that's, um, that's accessible for the recreational player, uh, delivered by people who actually can communicate it to the recreational player who aren't going to be arrogant or highbrow or those sorts of things. And in a way that actually will help create community, help people kind of find their poker tribe. So that's where it starts. And then it's just the, the kind of going through the process of saying, how could I get there from here? Uh, and you know, that's, that's whiteboards. That's, you know, talking yeah. to myself, that's mm-hmm. all kinds of those sorts of strategic planning things that I, I love to do. Uh, and ultimately landed on that as a potential solution. And, and it's, it's one of many, but that one seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah. I, I like that first. I'm looking forward to your future ones as well. And something that you just said right there, you start with the end in mind yeah. and that's something that I always try to do, but you know, in the day to day, I got to create a new podcast, a new yeah. uh, YouTube article, uh, do the show notes for this. I kind of lose track of that sometimes, you know, so I'm really glad you said that, that kind of, that can kind of help me, uh, to keep focus. And I'm doing this for a reason. What's the reason is for the audience. What kind of change do I want in their game? That's right. Products and create podcasts around those things. Start with the end in mind. I love it. That's right. And that's actually, I just left my corporate job after like 30 years uh, and Mm -hmm. I'm doing uh, consulting. That's what I do. So the poker poker side is, you know, kind of on the side stuff, but I do consulting. And a lot of that is uh, with organizations, small businesses, nonprofits. And a lot of that is saying, let's get clarity on what it is that you're really trying to do. And this applies to the poker world. It applies to my podcast. It applies to you as a poker player saying, okay, ultimately, why are you playing the game? You know, are you playing for fun? That's great. Are you playing to make money? That's great. Are you playing to build a community? What, that's great. You know, what, what is it? That's the end in mind. And then, okay, let's, how do we get there from here? So, you know, part of that ends up being, I want to be, you know, a successful tournament player live. Okay, well, let's, how do we get there from here? Uh, and so I think that that's part of what most people struggle with is real clarity in their lives and their poker world, whatever. And then it's aligning, like you're saying, and now the work has to be done. How do we align and make sure that all the things that we're doing whether that's a podcast, a YouTube video, a blog, whatever, you know, writing books guy, whatever the things are yeah. that you do. Um, how do those things align to my ultimate objective with, you know, with building your poker business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally I think I think that's critical. Otherwise, you wake up one day and you realize, man, I'm doing all these different things and they're not adding value or even worse yet, they're pulling the sled in opposite directions. That's right. Sometimes it feels that way with everything that I'm doing and I need to have a better plan. And 2019 is going to be a really <laughs> well planned out, well thought out year. That's the goal. Uh, in the next week or so, I'm going to do a ton of planning around it. Well, if you ever want to chat about that, I'm happy to happy to help you. They're just kind of, if you want somebody to bounce some ideas off of. Sweet. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so you, you had mentioned you do a lot of, well, like you work with running aces. I don't know about work with, sure. but that's probably your number one, your main place where you play, right? Running yeah, they're, aces, you know? Yep. They're our official sponsor of the podcast and all things rec poker. And that's, uh, it's 20 minutes from my house, uh, by far the closest casino to my place. So I'm there. Uh, I'd say 95% of when I play, it's at running aces. Gotcha. And that's where you've probably been meeting all of these uh, high level recreational players. Yeah, that's right. That's either there or um, what actually happened is I do some nonprofit work. I started a nonprofit years ago uh, doing humanitarian work in Rwanda and I've been there four times and I'm just phenomenal. And um, I guess like five, six years ago, I approached the casino with potentially doing a poker tournament, a charity tournament. Nice. And so that I would say actually propelled me to get to build some of these relationships that I had because I'd reach out to these people just cold and say, would you be willing to be a bounty for this tournament? Uh, and very gracious. The Minnesota poker community is fantastic. 
uh, very gracious. Even some national folks that have won World Series of Poker bracelets would, would play this. And so I played uh, Running Aces and then Canterbury Park as the other major casino in Minnesota. And so I would alternate spring and fall every year doing this charity tournament. And so I think that's really what, I guess, propelled me to, uh, again, some I don't know, notoriety, I guess, or... some notoriety, some, yeah, some respect, I guess, with the poker community, yeah. but also allowed me to make those connections uh, with some of those players. And they saw how I did things, you know, you do things well, you do things professionally, you, you, you know, you're honor your commitments. Uh, and then they tend to give you the time back when you say, Hey, would you be willing to come on the show? Absolutely. Have you ever had any of these really good players turn down the bounty, uh, the offer to be a bounty because they don't want a price on their heads. They want to just play poker and try <laughs> to win the tournament. Not, I mean, that could have been part of the reason nobody's ever given me that as the reason, just because it's, you know, there were smaller buy-ins, you know, $150 buy-in, that sort of thing. And often people would provide their own bounty. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like this high dollar, you know, what you see. And again, because that's my target audience. Yeah. You know, I, Phil Helmuth wanted to come and like raise all this money for us. I said, well, that's, well, several reasons, but that's not what I'm interested in because I don't want 50 people that are each paying $10,000 to buy in. I want 300 people that are paying $150 buy-in you know, and that's above their bankroll because they're trying to be generous. So yeah. it's sort of a, a model thing. So I mean, that could have been part of the reason. I know uh, I've been a bounty, of course, every time we've uh, done it, and it's awful. Um, is it? Because, I've never well, been a bounty, so. Well, part of it is because I would get, people would donate stuff that weren't able to play. So I would end up, it's a $130 tournament. And one year I had like $2,200 on my head. Well, you can't play a pot. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Because people could rebuy. So they're, every time you enter a pod, it's, you know, eight-way pod. So it's, oh, it's wow. kind of ridiculous. So we had to change some things. But uh, that, was, that was a little bit of a, an extreme example. But it was yeah. fun. Great time. I, I, I bet it was. I bet it yeah. was. Um, so with all of this uh, local, like, uh, get all these local contacts that you have, not with the casino, but not also, or not only with the casino, but also with all the players, I saw on your website, I hadn't watched the video yet, but you do a play and learn. Or maybe you had your very first play and learn session. And it looked pretty cool. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, thanks for asking. We literally just did that this, this, past, this past weekend for the first time. It's something I did uh, at a home game one time, and we just loved it. Uh, basically, what we did was we play out the hand as if it was normal. Uh, and then at the end of the hand, everybody shows their hand. And then we just talk about it. What were you thinking there? Why did you fold that under the gun? Why did you re-raise there? Uh, why that bet size? These sorts of interactions. And again, it's building community while also learning. Um, and those sorts of interactions were just absolutely fantastic. And so we said, well, let's try to take that model and make it available to the public. Uh, and so we did this this past weekend. We had two sessions. One was a three-hour session that I actually was the lead uh, facilitator, Instructor, I would say. Facilitator. Yeah, yeah, trainer, but more a facilitator. More just asking those questions and getting people talking about what they were doing and providing insight, you know, where you'd see, you know, somebody would, would raise, then a call, 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 and then a min-raise. You know, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about you know, why would you do that? What, what other options do you have? That sort of thing. Um, gotcha. So, so we'd facilitate that. And then uh, later we had one of our great, um, I guess what I'd say the semi-pro higher level recreational players come in uh, for those who are a little bit more experienced and he would do, it was more of a training thing there. He would start the discussion, but he would also just provide a ton of insight, um, you know, into the value of three betting and that sort of thing. Um, so it was just great because, you know, everybody shows their hands and then, you know, it, what, what is required of that is people that are willing to be humble enough to, to show their hands uh, and, and to, to maybe have to admit that they made a mistake on yeah. how they played a hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for, for those, there's a couple people there that I think struggled with that a little bit, like they felt like they were being attacked. Uh, but for the most part, people said, no, this is so good. I need to know 
you know, that there was another way to think about this. So uh, it, it was, it's fantastic. We don't, you know, there's no buy-in fee. There's no prizes. Uh, you know, if somebody gets really deep stacked or somebody gets really shallow, we just give them more chips or <laughs> transfer it over. We try to have the stacks uh, differentiated throughout the time so that you kind of get used to playing different stacks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, just a great learning experience. Yeah, it looked really cool. It looked like a good idea. I liked how just I saw the pictures on your website. You have yeah, the camera set up, the microphone up top to record everything. Yep. Um, so is the plan you're going to do this kind of thing on a monthly basis, quarterly? What's the, goal? What's the goal here? Yeah, I'm waiting for the feedback, but so far it's been great. You know, the responses we've got, one of the questions I asked was, you know, hypothetically, if we were to do this next month, would you do it? And everyone responded 100% I would do it if I was available. So I think it's well received. Uh, you know, the idea is to keep the numbers down. We didn't have a huge crowd and that's intentional because mm -hmm. I want people to play the hands. Uh, the, the second session, we had some people standing and then we'd rotate them in. Um, and as I talked to them, they said, yeah, there's still value and it's kind of nice to have a break, but boy, there's, there's so much more value when you're the one actually making the decision and then having to evaluate it or having the discussion after. So the idea is to keep them pretty small. We might do, you know, more tables and have more people kind of walking around giving insights, but the idea is to have everybody play. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's here to stay. You know, it's, uh, you know, when you start anything, as you well know, it's sort of like throw the spaghetti up against the fridge and see what sticks. That's what um, it is. Yeah. That, that's kind of what's happening here. We've got a few things we're doing, like uh, starting a just a, an open forum on Monday nights where whoever wants to do the webinar thing, just it's just free. Just call in, participate, whatever uh, that may or may not work. We'll see. You know, we got some other things in the mix and some things you do and they just don't work. But uh, this one seems like it's going to be a, a here to stay sort of thing. Alrighty, just a few shout outs today. We had four people purchase Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. It was John Milligan, Michael Volpe, Leland Baldwin, and Brad Olson, the same person that introduced me to Steve Fredland and Rec Poker. So thank you guys very much for making that purchase. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash poker tracker four to make the purchase through my affiliate. I got a little kickback from it. So once again, thank you guys very much. And in appreciation for that, I sent them my smart HUD so they can get to work right away utilizing poker tracker four and the database to record hands and study hands and utilizing the smart HUD to exploit some opponents. So thanks again, guys. And also, Torsten Rowan is the latest Smart Poker Study insider to support on Patreon. Thank you so much, Torsten. I really do appreciate it. If you want to follow in Torsten's footsteps and get early access to podcasts, um, get early access to training videos on YouTube as well, and uh, get patron-only podcasts and video content, just go to patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy to start your support. And finally, Guy Brooks purchased my Mashing the Micros webinar. He is using this, going to do a lot of studying, of course, learning from it. There's a lot of action steps within the webinar as well. Guy is going to spring into action with all those action steps and work on improving his game and exploiting his opponents in the micro stakes and building his bankroll so we can move up and get out of there. So thank you very much, Guy. And if you want uh, to purchase this one as well, in the show notes today is a link to get Mashing the Micros webinar. Alrighty, let's get back to Steve Fredland. As you know, uh, I'm all about smart poker study, not only yeah. like studying, but also playing with purpose and everything. And so as a live player, now there's, you know, if you go online, there's tons of instructions for online tournaments, cash games, sit and goes, all that stuff. There's not a ton of stuff out there for the live. So that's why I think your, like your content really helps the people who are just recreational live players so much. So 
How do you currently, like on a day-to-day -day or a weekly basis, how do you study to improve your game? What kind of things do you do off the felt? What kind of practices or strategies do you try to implement on the felt when you're actually playing in a tournament or a home game maybe? Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. One of the things that I've, I've done over the last several weeks, boy, it was, it was a lot of weeks, 12, 13 weeks or so, and I did it on the podcast, was, was trying to build my pre-flop ranges for early in a tournament. So um, part of that was, you know, learning from people, you know, I'd read books, I would watch videos, that sort of thing. Uh, but part of that was more just in my own head, thinking through, you know, how do I balance ranges? How do I do those things based on all the information I knew? So, so for that, the last three months has been more, uh, okay, I've, I've consumed a lot of information. Now, how do I actually translate that into something that could be useful for my game? So that was more, you know, kind of personal strategy uh, mm -hmm. taking all of that I've learned. I think um, when I go to the casino, it's very often um, working on one specific thing. Uh, I get overwhelmed really easily because I know poker is super dynamic. And when I first learned it, I thought it was easy. And then like everybody says, the more you play, the more you realize, oh my gosh, this is so complicated. So I can get, it's, it's very easy for me to get overwhelmed thinking, okay, here's the 15 things I'm supposed to be thinking about for every decision and how do I give them the right weight? And I know that's part of it, but usually I'll go and say, okay, one specific thing. I want to uh, open my ranges wider under the gun, or I want to three bet one more time than I otherwise would have. Uh, not that you're just forcing those things to happen, but at least being aware of that. Or uh, one of the things I've done most recently is really playing the, you know, guess their range game, uh, where especially early in the tournament, I'm folding a lot. I'm just not playing a lot. I'm looking for opportunities, but I'm not I'm not one of these guys that's trying to play a million pots right away, which is one good strategy. I'm more of a uh, in preservation mode. So that gives me more opportunity to try to guess what people's ranges are, uh, which can be useful later. So if somebody opens under the gun, they get three bet, they just flat, uh, you know, then they continuation bet on a certain flop and they check raise the turn, you know, sort of those things thinking through, well, what, what do they have here? You yeah. know? And so then hopefully it gets a showdown where you can say, Oh man, that that confirmed my suspicions that he was within that range. Or boy, I didn't never I never saw pocket threes there. Yeah. Um, and I think for me that that just helps me uh, stay focused on the game, but also helps me uh, when I'm in those big spots be a better uh, hand ranger. Gotcha. And when you when you play those live tournaments and everything, do you occasionally uh, just get distracted? You look up at the at the big screen with the sports game and stuff, and you forget to observe the action because that happens to me yeah. all the time. Yeah, I think there. I get distracted by for a few things. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not so much. I mean, I'm a big sports fan, but for whatever reason, when it's on the casino, I'm able to kind of ignore it. Usually, because if it's a game I care about, I'm recording it. And I'm trying not to find out what happens. I got you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you want to be surprised later on when you watch it at home. Right, right. But what I get distracted more by is um, chatter at the table, uh, because I'm a very relational person. This is my hobby. I love it. You know, I'm willing to be quiet and focus if nobody's really engaging. But now that I know all these people at running aces. You know, hey, Steve, what's going on here? Blah, 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 blah. We start chatting and I'm, I'm just playing the hands. I'm not really focusing on what's going on, how other people are playing. So that's probably my number one distraction. Uh, number two would be, especially now that I'm in business for myself, I'm trying to stay up to date on my emails. I'm trying to even like, I'm writing proposals sometimes as I'm, as I'm at the table. And so sometimes work just gets in the way. I gotcha. Um, so yeah, those, those are distractions. I know uh, when I'm focused, boy, I, well, first of all, I know that I'm a suboptimal player, even at my best, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm worse, you know, I, I'm suboptimal, but, but even then when I'm chatting, I play worse. Mm -hmm. I just, I play looser. I, I'm making these calls like later, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, because I was just 
kind of having fun hanging out with the guys, you know? Gotcha. Um, so those are things that, that really, um, when I want to play well, I, I try to eliminate those. I'll even tell people, Hey, I'm just trying to really focus today. Um, that sort of thing, but that's a very easy thing to get distracted, especially, uh, compared to online, which I don't play. Um, you know, I know where people are multi-tabling and the action's just that much quicker. You know, there's always something to kind of pay attention to when you're live, boy, it's, it can be agonizing. You can be playing a $50 tournament and you've got somebody who's tanking for a minute or two every decision. Oh, yes. oh and it's just like, you know, you see the blinds just ticking down, but it's also, like, <laughs> yeah. this is boring. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, the blinds are 50, hundred and he's got 12 K and somebody, you know, raised the river to 600. It's like, let's just make a decision, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. But that, that's maybe not fair, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. <laughs> I feel the exact same way online. You got that time clock always going. So right. you don't really have to worry about people tanking too much, but live hits a different story. Um, so another question for you, how, so you said you don't play online at all right now. I played a couple of times. It's, you know, it's not legalized here, but uh, I know a number of people do it. And I, I would actually like to start playing a little bit more, uh, online start toying with it now that my schedule is a little bit more flexible. Yeah. But, but no, I, I really don't. Not at all. So how do you learn hands? Like when you're, when you're actually in a tournament playing, do you record, like you try to record three or four hands to take home and study afterwards? Yeah. I not, not, not as intentional as that, but typically out of a tournament, there will be one or two where I'll, I'll replay them in my mind throughout going home. And then by the time I get home, if I'm still struggling with what the right decision was, that's when I'll start taking notes and say, okay, remember as much of it as I can or, or yeah. fill into the best of my, best of my knowledge so that then I can bring it to others and say, all right, here's a situation. Gotcha. That's one thing you, I'd like to develop more of is a, is a community of people that are doing that by email or whatever. I've got a few people to bounce ideas off of, but uh, there's not really a, a set place where I can bring those hands, which is actually one of the things that I'm trying to create. Gotcha. Good, good. Yeah. With that community right there. Yeah. Um, one of my students uh, or one of my uh, listeners, he recommended doing, and I haven't done it yet. I'm thinking about it, a discord chat, kind of like, a, uh, it's, I don't, do you know what discord is? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody okay. else brought that up actually to me. Yeah. Discord chat where you're basically just sharing hand histories. Everyone's given their opinion. And I just don't know how that's going to work or if that's actually worth the time. Um, but you know, I'm just, that's something I'm toying with that idea because I do a lot of studying on my own with the hands and stuff. And I discuss some hands and stuff in the podcast, but I don't get a ton of feedback from other people. Um, right. I just, I just don't really have a study group right now. So I'm thinking about that for, for hand reading or for hand analyzing with others. Yeah. And I know there's, I, that's where I get jealous. I'll, I'll hear like, there's, there's three really great Minnesota poker players, uh, Kuvang, Aaron Johnson, who actually won player of the year this year, both. Uh, for the MSPT and the Heartland Poker Tour. Holy Crazy. cow. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he uh, Kuvang, and Vlad Revniaga, who are great, you know, all great Minnesota players, all pro players, they have this email exchange that they, that they talk about. They're always exchanging all these hands. And, like, I'm just like, how much could I pay to just be, you know, blind copied on your emails? Because yeah. it just sounds so fascinating. Not just because they're great, but just this idea of constantly evaluating hands and thinking about uh, different elements. So I think that sounds fascinating. And uh, I'm guessing you'll probably beat me to the punch on that. So if you do, <laughs> uh, man, please let me know. And I'll share that with our folks. Cause I think we've got a number of, of fantastic players that I play with pretty regularly that are just dying for that sort of uh, interaction. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'm thinking about it in 2019, starting it up in January. So for cool. sure I will. Um, so one other question or a few other questions, but one was earlier, you mentioned that you, uh, you had uh, two teenagers 10 years ago or so. Uh, you know, was it two teenagers you had? That uh, you I have, I have, yeah, I had three and then we three. had 10, 10 between the three, my three, ten, my two four. buddies and I. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. do those three teenagers of yours, do they still play poker? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Just one of them does and, and not, he doesn't seek it out at all. 
he, he plays like when we'll, I'll get together with some of my college buddies or whatever. And if we have an opening, he'll come by and play and he loves it and that sort of thing, but he's not playing regularly. The other, my other son, I have twin boys. So he plays the other one used to play quite a bit. And we thought he was going to be the prodigy. He was the one that was, uh, he was super tight and then he learned how to bluff and he just kind of loved it. And then he was yeah. super tough. Uh, but then he just kind of, <clears throat> he just kind of lost interest as he got older. Uh, my daughter, who's probably the best, probably the best natural player out of all of them doesn't play at all anymore either. So it's kind of like, uh, kind of a bummer. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really for them, it was really sort of a season. Uh, they, they all loved it at the time. You know, it was great interaction. They got to know each other, got to know, you know, my buddies a little bit more, uh, but then they just kind of faded away and that's fine. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a natural thing or if that's because, you know, the three of us kind of fell in love with the game and kind of took it to that next level. And they're like, Maybe. okay, we just wanted to play a game. You know, we just yeah. want to play, you know, a life. You know, um, <laughs> we were playing, uh, uh, you know, some other uh, risk or something like that. They're playing life, we're playing risk. Yeah. So I don't know if that was part of it or if it was just, you know, the season of, season of life. They got older, they got interested in different things as they got into high school and, um, and beyond. Yeah, yeah. I'm currently playing, uh, I have two boys, uh, 11 and 9 years old, nice. and we play occasionally, once or twice a week, we'll whip out the cards and the, and the chips, and we'll play either seven-card stud, five-card draw, or no limit hold'em, whatever, whatever they want to play that night. So it's a lot of fun. Um, no money on the line, you know, I'm not, they want to gamble, like they want to throw <laughs> right. $2 each, but no, I'm not going to, not yet, we're just playing for fun right now. Yep. And like you said, like you said, one of your sons uh, was tight and, and then learned how to bluff and then loved it. Both of my sons love bluffing. <laughs> so yeah. much that all I have to do is kind of call with a one pair hand the whole way, and I, I I often stack them, you know. But they're they're learning. They're getting the getting the hang of the the poker yeah. thing. Right now. Yeah, that's my one boy. My my one boy who still plays on occasion. He just boy, he loves running the bluff. He just yeah. loves it so much, and he can obviously it's just a high volatility game. So he'll chip yeah. up pretty nicely, or he'll be out. You know. Yeah, that's right. And it does feel really good when that bluff succeeds. You right. want to show that jack high hand. But, right. you know, I tell my kids, don't show. I didn't call. You bluffed. You right. won the pot. Don't show me because you don't want me to know what you know or what you did. Right. We always have an interesting dynamic. And that's, that's a good learning thing. I wish I'd learned that earlier because, you know, when we were just playing with our buddies, you know, oh, it's kind of fun to show, you know. So you yeah. kind of got in that habit of, oh, hey, I'm going to show you. But now it's like it's a hard habit I'm trying to break. But, yeah, my, my son and I have an interesting dynamic because he loves to bluff and I love to hero call. <laughs> we have these amazing you know interactions you know yeah. uh, of talking about it during the hand but yeah yeah oh, that's cool. I mean, occasionally he gets he gets crazy value out of you sometimes oh yeah oh my and you God. probably yeah. snap off some good bluffs sometimes oh, too. i'm so. calling with king high when he has a full house i mean it's, yeah. you know, there's that kind of stuff happening you know yeah yeah. Oh, nice, man. That's nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my kids being old enough. You know, I mean, he's the oldest is 11 now. In seven years, I could, I could actually take him to like the card room, the local yeah. card room, and actually play for money. I don't really want him to gamble. I don't want him right. to be a poker player, but I have so much fun doing it. I think he would like doing it uh, yep. for actual money as well. A little more stakes on the line, you know. And it seems like you'll be, you know, you're good enough to understand, you know, the, the kid, you're not going to force him to go and you're not going to, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. it was super fun. Like I took, um, took my boys when they turned 18 twins, I took them up to a smaller casino up North Grand Casino. And actually my son like finished second place in the, in the first tournament. It was like, oh. you know, 22 people or something, but it was super cool. And, and then um, the next tournament that my, my other son played, I took him to the, our all in for Africa, our charity tournament. And he got to play at the same table with John Morgan. Uh, who you maybe recognize out he's out from Minnesota owner Winmark he's out in Vegas he plays a lot of the high stakes stuff now mm. uh, he's on plays like the million dollar buy and stuff like that so uh, him and John were my son and John are kind of bantering back and forth and uh, so it's just kind of a fun experience so that's it you know beyond just the poker 
there's just kind of cool experiences and some cool people that you otherwise would never meet. And that's what I love about the live game, the live game. Absolutely. Yeah. Online, you don't really develop friendships unless I guess you join some kind of a two plus two forum or whatever and develop friends that way. Because on the tables, anytime there's chat, I just ignore it. I don't care about the chat because it's often yeah. kind of rude chat, like just saying mean things. My, my screen name on one of the sites I play on is Wacky Wan. <laughs> and Juan, J-U-A-N, it, you know, you would assume that I'm Mexican by that name. <laughs> right. People throw out a lot of racial slurs oh, when I gosh. beat them in a pot and stuff. Um, and so I ignore the chat fully. But at the live games, I really love going to play at the local casinos because you are sitting oftentimes next to some really cool people. Right. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Before, I never realized it, but poker players can be very nice, very outgoing, very sociable. Yeah. Um, it's something, you know, you don't really think about growing up. Poker players, they, they only care about money and, and whatever. But when you go there and you meet them and you start making friends, then you realize they're pretty darn good people. And that, that's what makes the live realm really fun. Yeah, and it seems like it doesn't take long to really kind of figure out who are those people that you can connect with and have a relationship with. And, you know, I play some of the, the daily tournaments at Running Aces, the ones that start at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's just super friendly. I mean, almost everybody's super friendly. And then you play the evening tournaments and it's a different crowd. So you kind of yeah. learn, you know, okay, the evening tournaments, I'm probably just going to shut her down, even maybe bring headphones and just kind of lock in there because nobody really has anything nice to say, you know, versus yeah. the morning tournaments where it's a lot of the old retired codgers and, you know, I mean, same thing at my local casino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of a collector of stories. Mm-hmm. So I love to sit down at the table and just say, well, what's your story? Yeah. And I think what, what people come alive with, especially maybe a lot of poker players because they're either introverted or they might even be the black sheep of the family because they're degenerate gamblers or, or whatever it is. But so many people in this world don't really have an opportunity to ever talk about who they are or, or those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more people are busy talking than listening. And so when you give somebody the opportunity to say, well, what's your story? Tell me about you. I mean, you know, I meet, meet these 80 year old retired guys. I'm like, well, what did you used to do? And boy, they just come alive talking about that. And for some people that would drive them crazy. And I'm sure some people at the table, it, it drives crazy that me and John are having this conversation, but uh, I just love that. I love to hear their stories. Everybody, you know, if you've lived 80 years, you've got some great insights in life. And I, yeah. mm-hmm. I love extracting that and, and giving people a forum to, to kind of talk about who they are. So I, and again, that's part of who I am. That's not what I'd expect for every poker player, but because I love that, those are the tournaments that I enjoy the most are the ones where we can have that, which means that I'm not paying attention to my hands. Yeah, (laughs) We're we're, we're back to that conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But that's what makes it fun for you. And that's why you go play in these games. If you didn't have those conversations, you probably want to be a poker player. Yeah, this is, this is my hobby. I mean, I'm trying to get really good at it. I'm competitive. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to be an athlete, but that, that ship has sailed. So this is, <laughs> you know, this is my competitive outlet. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but more importantly to me uh, are the relationships uh, nice. and the camaraderie and, and that sort of thing and that, that community. So um, that, is, that does kind of take the priority off probably too yeah. often. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, uh, one last question for you. You said that this past summer you went to the uh, WSOP in Vegas, interviewed Sarah Herring and interviewed other people and stuff. What are your plans for the next WSOP? Do you go every single year and play in tournaments and talk to people? And Yeah, this is the second year. Uh, last year was the second year I'd gone. I'd never been to Vegas in my entire life. Oh, uh, so, so yeah. So it's a couple of our buddy, my buddies and I, again, the people that I met in playing poker were like, Hey, anybody want to go out there? Yeah, let's go out there. So I've got a buddy who teaches. So as soon as he's done teaching. Then he coaches pole vault, Stacy Nelson. And as soon as he's done coaching, we're like, let's go. And so uh, we go out there. Um, the last couple of years, uh, we rent a, you know, a little Airbnb little place there with four to six of us hanging out there, play a lot of the smaller buy and stuff. At least they all play the smaller buy and stuff. I'll play 
uh, usually the daily deep stacks, uh, yeah. maybe one or maybe two bracelet events. Um, and so, yeah, last year I had the opportunity to connect with Sarah. Um, this year, I don't know, we're going to go out there for sure. I'm already compiling the list of folks that want to go out there and, and kind of hang out, maybe get a bigger place so we can have some more people crash with us. Nice. And, you know, it kind of serves as a central location um, for people. You know, we usually get a place that's a couple blocks from the Rio, so you can just walk over there. Um, yeah, I don't have anything hooked up yet as far as the interviews go, but certainly I'll connect with Sarah and kind of Jeff Platt, kind of that crew there, say, hey, do you guys want to do anything? Mm -hmm. um, we may end up doing some sort of a rec poker uh, meetup if there's enough interest in that. I know we have a, a one, uh, the iNinja Poker Tour has been resurrected uh, and they are having a big series like down in Reno in March. And so they're saying, hey, if you want to bring a bunch of people, we'll kind of put you up and we'll do some some special training. So looking at those sorts of things, I think like you, it's, uh, you know, you have a million opportunities to do things. Yes. Uh, the question is, you know, what strategically is the right thing to do? What will bring the most enjoyment? You know, is there, can you monetize that? You know, you know, cause obviously time is money. So all of those sorts of questions are kind of out there right now, but definitely uh, we'll be out there in uh, early to mid June and, and playing some events. Early to mid. Great. Yeah. I'll be out again. I don't know what the schedule is going to be. I'll probably go out when the Colossus is running again. So yeah. I'll be there at that time. So definitely if we're there, I would love to hook up with you, play some poker together, have a coffee, or enjoy a beer or whatever, you know, that would be a blast. And we'll have some people out there from rec poker. And I know they would love to meet you personally as awesome. well. So yeah, that would be fantastic. We'd work that out. I know uh, our, our summer schedule starts with uh, my buddy who's, who's a pole vault coach. And as soon as the state tournament is done, cause every year he has people in the state tournament, as soon as that's done, I think it's like June 8th or 9th, we book the flight for that night and go. So it's, nice. less, it's less, it doesn't start as, as closely with the World Series schedule. It's really just let's start then and then kind of decide how long we're going to stay based on the schedule. Yeah. Well, nice, man. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. For sure. You go well, out there every year, I assume? Yes, every year for the past five years. So, or five or six years, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't play many bracelet tournaments. I play some of the deep stacks and stuff because yeah. that $1,500 buy-in, I'm just not the best of tournament players. I feel that that goes to waste for, for me. Like, you know, if, if there's a thousand people just for a round number, a thousand people in the tournament, my chances of winning are one in thousand. But I think my actual odds of winning are less than that just because I'm a cash game player. So yeah. I just go there for the fun, but I will play in the Colossus every year and those daily deep stacks. Sweet. Yeah. The daily deep stacks are just so much value there, mm -hmm. I think. And yeah, like you said, I mean, what are the odds of winning? If there's a thousand people in a daily deep stack, my odds of winning might be a little more than one in a thousand just because skill a little bit better than maybe the average player. But yeah, yeah the, the $1,500 buying, I think my odds are maybe one in 10,000 of winning. Mm -hmm. So where's the actual value? But it's, yeah. it's just, it's fun to play a bracelet event though. It, without a doubt. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, Steve. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure my audience appreciate your time as well. But before we go, what's the best way for them to hook up with you to learn about yourself? Is it just recpoker.com? It's actually recpokertraining.com. Oh, so my bad. Somebody, no, somebody has recpoker.com and I don't know who it is and uh, they're not, they're not actively using it, but recpokertraining.com. Uh, Twitter is always a good way. Just follow at rec poker. There's a Facebook group rec poker. Um, and then if you want to email me, Steve at rec poker uh, all of those things, um, are, are how you hook up. Love to nice, man. Thanks for having me on, man. This is a fantastic honor. I appreciate your, your time and letting me come on here. Well, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you very much, Steve.
This episode isn't complete until you head to the show notes page at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod215. Links to everything I discussed, and once again, that embedded webinar video is right there for you to watch. And of course, there's a link to visit the Smart Poker Leak Plugging course, and use that offer code TRAILBLAZER for $200 off. Well, thank you so much for listening. And of course, a mega big thanks to Steve Fredland over there at RecPokerTraining.com for allowing me or giving me the opportunity to interview him. And I didn't mention it before, but his podcast episode number 111 is my first time being on somebody else's podcast as a guest. So please go over there, listen to me, answer his questions, talk about my history. We talk a little bit of strategy and what uh, what a lot of people people are not focused on that they should be focused on pre-flop, particularly position and the opponents that they're up against. So I give some pretty good value there for his audience, but go over there, check it out for yourself, get that same value that they are getting. Alrighty, please leave a review for the show on your favorite podcatching app. I do appreciate it. In the next Friday episode number 216, I'm going to discuss some of my goals for 2019. So word of mouth is the best advertising, and I really do appreciate that you share this show with other poker people. Your sharing and caring is what helps us grow. Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.